Bible with them. Hold them up nice and high. Let's see all across the room. Very good. Wonderful. Take the Word of God and turn to Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4. As you're turning there, don't stand just yet. I'm going to give you a little intro into this message. Most of you know Nathan Reed. About a month or so ago, we finished up going through a a discipleship program. And as we went through it, we were kind of challenging each other. And in the back of this book, it had many Bible verses to memorize, and they were organized by topic. And so we challenged each other to look in the back of the book, pick a topic that would apply to us, maybe something that we struggle with or a weak area of our Christian life, and to memorize a verse from there, and the following week we would quote it to each other. Well, I chose this, these verses, these two verses that we're about to look at. And it was great help to me, so my objective this morning is to try and be a blessing and a help to you. I am a, a, a pro, great promoter of memorizing Bible verses, and just memorizing any verse is good, but I believe it could be better. When we can find a Bible verse that deals with the areas of life that we need, that we need help with. I think God can use that to minister to us in the time of need, like a prescription for your soul. That's what these verses have been to me. And so Philippians chapter number 4, the primary subject that we're going to deal with is prayer, but we're going to look specifically at one area of prayer. So if you're able to stand, we're going to read a few verses here. Very good. Let's look at verse number 4. Philippians chapter number 4, verse number 4. The Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. The verses that I memorized that ministered to me, even more so looking back on my life, how God has used this, have primarily been verses 6 and 7. So that's what we'll, we'll really focus on. But the title of the message is, Turn Your Cares into prayers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the privilege to open the Bible and study what you have for us. I pray for the next few moments, Lord, that you would speak through me, 
speak to the hearts of each and every person that's here, that's listening on the live stream. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage their faith, minister to them in a specific way, deepen our understanding of prayer and of you. And Lord, may we be ready to receive all that you would have for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So let's kind of build to where we're going. Prayer, really, when you sum it all down, prayer is just simply talking to God. And what a great privilege it is. If we were to turn to the book of Acts, prayer was really a part of the church from the very beginning. The Bible says that they're up in the upper room in one accord praying together. Prayer is such a great privilege. One of the things I love to do at my home is we pray together as a family, but I have four little kids, number five on the way, but the four love to pray. Oftentimes they'll ask, can I pray today? And we'll let them, but to hear their heart talking to God, you get to find out what are they concerned about? What's on their heart? The Bible says, for out of the heart uh, comes our words, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you get to hear what is on the hearts of other people. But a a greater privilege for me is knowing my prayers. I can pray for the needs of my own heart, or I can pray for the needs of somebody else halfway around the world. I can pray to God one-on-one, or we collectively, as Lighthouse Baptist Church, can go to the Lord before the throne and pray together. We can join our hearts together in prayer. Not only is there a great privilege, but prayer has a great priority. Prayer should really be at the beginning of all that we do. A lot of times we try to attempt great things for God. And if it doesn't work in our own power, in our own strength, then maybe we'll resort to prayer. As, a, as if it's something we'll just tag on at the end if we can't do it in our own strength. But really prayer should be our, our first resource, our first avenue that we go through. And it should be uh, sprinkled throughout all that we do. And then there's a great power in prayer. When you think about all that God can do, how many believe here this morning that God can do anything? You believe that in your heart, God can do anything. If prayer is the thing that moves God, then you could equally say that prayer, likewise, can do anything that God can do. Because when we pray, a lot of times that calls God to action. He desires to hear from us. So prayer, likewise, has a lot of power in that it can do anything that God can do. But where I want to focus really is the promises of prayer, the, pom- the promises that God has given to us through prayer. I heard a pastor say one time that God's phone number is Jeremiah 33.3. He tells us, call unto me and I will answer you. And show you great and mighty things which you don't even know, you're not even aware of, which thou knowest not. The blessing is that we can call into him any time. It doesn't matter if it's the middle of the day or early in the morning, wherever we are, whatever we're doing. We can call unto the Lord and he's ready to hear us. When we call unto the Lord, we'll never get a busy signal. He'll never send us to voicemail. He's always ready to give us an ear. But if we do get a busy signal, a lot of times it's because of Uh, our doings, our own sin in our heart. The Bible says that if we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. We could study the scripture and see many great promises God has given to us that we can claim as our own through prayer. And I want to focus on one promise that is found here in Philippians chapter number 4. 
He starts in verse number four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. He's about to deal with them and say, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't be full of care. And he starts by saying, rejoice. We have many things to rejoice in the Lord about, don't we? He says, rejoice in the Lord always, not in certain times of the day or certain circumstances, but always. Don't let it end. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he goes on in verse number five to say that the Lord is at hand. So right from the beginning, he's about to teach them, don't worry about things. I'm in control. And he starts out by saying, rejoice in the Lord always. The Lord is at hand. What he's saying is, take a step back from your circumstances. Take a step back from the situation that you're dealing with and remember that the Lord is at hand. Remember that there's greater things possibly than what you're dealing with at the moment and the Lord is at hand. View your situation in light of eternity. Is it going to make a difference when we all get to heaven? Then he goes on in verse number 6. Be careful for nothing. We could say be Worrisome about nothing. Be anxious about nothing. Be full of care about nothing. He says, be careful for nothing. Don't worry. How many here are worriers? You have a tendency to worry. I'm one of them. But the neat thing about this question is, the true worriers, the true people in this room that worry are some that didn't raise their hand because they're worried about what others would think if they raised their hand. (laughs) That was me. I probably wouldn't have raised my hand. Most of us have a tendency to worry about something at some point or another in our lives. It, it comes natural a lot of times. But worry, really, when you think about it, is it's tension between the mind and our heart. And we'll see this more fully here in just a minute. But when we're about to do something or we're going through some trial in our life that causes us to worry, a lot of times it begins in our mind and we think about all the, the what-ifs, Right? I'll admit one of my worries is every time I have to go to the doctor, it's automatic. I think, well, they're going to have to draw blood or I'm going to have to get a shot. It's going to be one or the other. (laughs) And then all the thoughts come racing through my mind, the what ifs, what if this happens, then what if. And then before long, it it passes from our, our head into our heart. And then it starts to affect our emotions and we begin to worry and and then before you know it, we're consumed by worry. It's that great tension between our heart. In our mind, all the what ifs, being overwhelmed and stressed. But God is telling us here that we need to release the cares of our mind and our heart and lay them at His feet. And when we do that, focusing our mind on God, He begins to keep us in His perfect peace. He begins to give us His peace, the peace of God. Look at verse number eight. It's important to remember. That not only should we be careful for nothing, release our worry, leave it in the hands of the Lord, but it's not enough just to get rid of the worry. We need to replace it with something, right? And so that's what he teaches us here in verse number 8. He teaches us these many things that we are to replace our worry with, to think on these things. He says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, lovely, things that are of a good report, If there be any virtue, virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. He says, release thinking on worry. 
being careful in everything that you do. Leave that in the hands of the Lord and think on these things, these good things. Well, where do we find those things? They're found in the Word of God. All these pure, right, and lovely things that are full of virtue and praise. He says, think on these things. Turn back to, well, look at verse number 6 again. Be careful for nothing, he says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The part that I have struggled with is the, the with thanksgiving. Right, We're going through some trial or some difficulty in our life, and it's hard a lot of times when our focus is all the what-ifs of this situation to be thankful. But if we would just challenge ourselves to remember that if God did nothing else other than save our souls from an eternal hell, we would have more than enough to be thankful for in our lifetime. So he says, but in everything, by prayer, that's the avenue, and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Let's look at a couple examples in the Bible. If you would, turn to Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter number 10. I love how the Lord works. I prepared this message Earlier in the week, and from that time moving forward, I came across Luke chapter number 10 in my Bible reading, and the Lord opened my eyes to this. But in Luke chapter number 10, most of us are probably familiar with this story. Let's begin our reading in verse 38. Luke chapter number 10, verse 38, the Bible says, Now it came to pass, as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him, that's Jesus, into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Notice his answer to Martha, verse 41. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art, what's that word? Careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Martha was careful and troubled about many things. God, Christ, saw that in her life. In a sense, he was telling Martha, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto me. She was worried about all that had to be done. It's not necessarily that what she was doing was bad. It was good. She was trying to serve Christ. But it wasn't the best thing. And he was telling her, you're careful about all this. You're worrying about all that has to be done, and uh, this bread has to be prepared, and I have to uh, make provision for lo the Lord. He was saying, don't worry about it. Don't be anxious about it. Calm down. Your sister Mary, who's sitting at my feet, she has chosen that good part. That's the needful part, and I'm not going to take that away from her. And if we're not careful, you and I can get caught up in all that there is to do, whether it's work or serving here in the church, 
we can get worried about this has to be done this day and I have to prepare this meal and then I have to go run this errand and we can completely neglect our hearts to the Lord. And that worry of our work can consume us. We can get so involved in our work that we completely neglect our worship. And that's what Martha has done here. I can testify in my own life that this is true. I'll share a quick story here. So speaking of serving, one of the things that, that I do here is I occasionally sing a special. It's not necessarily my favorite thing to do, but I try to do it for the Lord. But it's hard to get up here with the right heart's attitude and not think about all the what-ifs, right? I'm going to mess up on this word or all these things running through your head. Well, I was special after special, really struggling with trying to get up here and singing for the Lord. So the Lord placed a song on my heart. It's called Jesus Never Fails. And part of the song says, You might as well get thee behind me, Satan, because Jesus never fails. You will not prevail. Jesus never fails. And I thought that's a great message to be sung with what I struggle with when I get up here to sing. And I thought what I'm going to do different this time is I'm going to pray extra before I get up here to sing. And so I remember that week leading up to me singing that song. I prayed and prayed and prayed day after day, day after day. And the time came for me to sing. I get up, got up here and sang, and I made it through. But afterwards, looking back, I was probably more nervous of that time than any other time that I've sang. And I had to question, Lord, you've told me here in Philippians chapter number 4 that be careful for nothing but to pray to you about it and leave my worry in your hands. What's happening? And when I examine that situation, I, I can't help but think, I was placing more faith in my prayers rather than my God who answers the prayer. I was holding on to, well, I did my prayers, and I was trying to get my strength from what I was working up, my service for the Lord, rather than trusting the God who could calm my nerves and ease my anxiousness and remove my worry. He says, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18 says it this way, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Paul likewise says in Colossians 3, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be ye thankful. Sometimes it's hard to be thankful, but God reminds us we must be thankful. Turn back to Philippians chapter number 4. Hopefully you held your spot there. I did not. Philippians chapter number 4. Let's read verse 6 again, but we're going to focus on verse number 7. The Bible says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Notice verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Remember that, what that worry was. It was the tension between our heart and our mind. And God's promise he will keep, he will guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. And we will be given that peace of God that passes, passes all understanding. And so I want to look at a couple Bible examples. 
some characters that we've read about in the Old Testament that held true to this promise of God, even though this wasn't written in their day. Turn back to Daniel. Let's begin in Daniel chapter number 3. Most of us are probably familiar with these stories, but these key words just jumped out of the pages. Daniel chapter number 3. Daniel has interpreted the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar. He had relayed this vision that God had given him to interpret his dream, and it was a dream of a, an image, a huge statue. And so Daniel tells King Nebuchadnezzar about this dream, and so pride begins to fill the heart of the king. And he gets this idea, I know what I'll do. I'll build this huge golden statue. And at any time the music is played, the trumpets sounded, all these many things, everybody here is going to have to kneel and bow before the image and worship the image. Well, all the music began to play, and most of the people bowed, but there were three that didn't. You probably know their names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But there were people watching to make sure that everybody was going to bow the knee and worship this golden image. Well, those three didn't bow, and before long, somebody goes to the king and tells them of these three that didn't bow. And fury and anger enters into his heart, the king's heart. And so he calls for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he's before the king's presence. And he's telling them, I hear, word has came to me that you didn't bow when all the music played. The king says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to tell the musicians to play their instruments again. And at the time that you hear all the music, you better bow down. I'm going to give you a second chance. But look at verse number 13. Here was their reply. Here was their response. Daniel chapter number 3, verse number 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, It is true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. And he says, I'm going to give you a second chance. Jump down to verse number 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. What were, there, what were they saying to the king? God has given us a promise for his peace. And in the face of persecution, even their life... Even unto death, they were not worried about it. They were resting in the peace of God and the God that could answer their prayers. He says, O king, we are not careful. We are not full of care. We're not worried about the answer that we're about to give you. We're not worried about being thrown in the fiery furnace because we have faith in our God. And he will give us his peace and keep our hearts and minds to see us through it. Of course, we know the outcome of the story. There was a fourth man in the fire and they came out unharmed. But these three had another friend that did something very similar. Turn to chapter number 6. Daniel chapter number 6. 
fast-forwarding here, just a few chapters in the book of Daniel. Some people had gone to King Darius, and they had told him, I think really you should pass a law that for 30 days nobody is to kneel or pray to anyone except you. And so they convince him to pass this law. They say, here, sign on the dotted line. He does it without really thinking too much of the future. Well, the day comes when they're trying to, to catch Daniel. And he was a pretty good guy. They couldn't catch him in much, but they caught him praying. So look at verse number 10. The Bible says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he knew that Darius had signed this and that it was now a law, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. This was a habit of Daniel's, and nothing changed once he knew that that document was signed and the law was placed into effect. He did what he had done aforetime. He did not become worrisome or full of care, but he placed his worries in God's hands and prayed and thanked God as he did aforetime. No doubt these three Hebrews and Daniels probably spent a lot of time together, and that's why we see these victories in their lives. That by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, God gave them his peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Turn back to Philippians chapter number 4. Let's look at one more verse. Verse number 9. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 9, the Bible says, Those things, this list that he just gave, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. Be obedient to them, and the God of peace shall be with you. There's a couple times that this verse has rang true in my own heart. I didn't know it at the time, but looking back now, I can see God's hand in it. Rewind a few years ago, me and my wife, well, my wife was pregnant uh, with our first child. She had actually already had a miscarriage, but she was pregnant with Hallie, our oldest daughter. And she was nine months pregnant, and all of this is new to us, right? We don't have a kid. We haven't gone through the whole delivery process and all that. A lot of this is our first time, and it's new to us. Well, Beth says one day, I think my water broke. I'm clueless. I don't, I don't know. I take her word for it. So we hop in the car and drive to the hospital. She's having labor pains. We get to the hospital. They check her out, send her back home. Nope, the water hasn't broke. Nothing's happening. Over the next couple days, I think we went back and forth between our home and the hospital maybe three or four times. Finally, we get there. They check her out. Oh, yeah, your water has broke. Come to find out, it had broken the first time we went. They just apparently didn't know what they were doing. So we were traveling back and forth. I mean, they went to school. You'd think they would know. But <clears throat> about the fifth time we get to the hospital, 
they find out, oh, your water has broken. It's been broke for a long time. Well, I don't know much about all of this. We're coming to be new parents. But I guess so many hours after the water breaks, the baby and the mom start to uh, spike a fever, and then infection can begin. And so some of those things had began to happen, and I'm starting to worry. This is our first kid. She's now delivered, but she's running a fever. Does she have some sort of infection? So for about the next day or so, she has to spend her time in the ICU or in the NICU. And so I'm worried. My first daughter has been born. I don't know what's going to happen. Is she going to survive? What's going to happen? And all I knew to do was to pray. When I think back on my life, that was probably one of the times in my life where I prayed more specifically and more diligently than any other time in my life. And God came through with his peace and answered my prayers. Likewise, fast forward a year or so, a similar instance in that God gave me his peace. God had been working on my heart about me and my family moving up here to Lebanon, Indiana. I never imagined that I would leave Coryton, Tennessee. I thought I would spend the rest of my life there. So for two years, off and on, me and my wife were praying, is this what the Lord has for us? Does he want us to move to Lebanon, Indiana? And little by little, he seems to reveal himself to us that this is what he wants. And then so all the worry begins to set in. Well, if I move, where am I going to work? Where am I going to live? All these little details that in light of eternity don't matter to a whole lot. What should matter is where does God want us to be? And so I remember one day I'm working with a co-worker. He was a Christian. And I'm sharing all my worries with him. I was full of care. Where am I going to live? Where am I going to work? What's going to happen? How can I provide for my family? All these middle, little things. And at that moment, that coworker never answered any of my questions. He never said a word. But God's peace just overwhelmed me. A peace that passes all understanding. And I went home and told my wife, we're supposed to move to Lebanon, Indiana. And she says, I've been trying to tell you that the whole time. <laughs> but that's a different story. But when I look back on my life, this verse, these verses have been such a great blessing and a help to me. That was really my goal this morning is to share this, even from a personal experience. And we know that the Apostle Paul wrote Philippians to the church at Philippi. So turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 16. To close, I want to show you here that even the Apostle Paul lived out these verses. Acts chapter number 16. The Apostle Paul, on his second missionary journey, traveled through the area of Philippi. And most of us would probably be familiar with this story. But let's see what he did. Acts chapter number 16. Let's begin reading in verse number 16. Remember, he's in Philippi at this time. Verse number 16, the Bible says, And it came to pass, as he went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, Luke is writing this, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul being grieved, turned, and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out from her. And he came out the same hour. 
And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. Notice verse 22. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Here's where I want to get, verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. In a time that they could have been full of worry, full of care for their very own lives, just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, Paul thought, what I need to do, rather than be careful for all these many things, my current situation being cast into the inner prison and beaten, rather than worry about it, let me cast my worries into the hand of God, who has the ability to give me his peace. And at midnight, they prayed and sang praises. That sounds like they're pretty thankful, right? Of course, we know the outcome of the story. There was a great earthquake. All the doors flew open. The shackles were released. And they ended up with the Philippian jailer trusting Christ as his own Savior. Paul, in that moment, practiced what he preached. And I wonder if the people of Philippi, the church of the Philippians, when they read that letter and came across verses 6 and 7, remembered back when Paul was with them and cast into prison and heard the story of what Paul had done at midnight, singing and praising God. So look at Philippians chapter number 4. There's a key phrase I want to point out as we close. Philippians chapter number 4. We're just going to look at two verses and we'll be through. Look at verse number 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Notice verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Jump down to verse number 19. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, notice what he says here, and the God of peace shall be with you. In verse number 7, we read about the peace of God, but in verse number 9, we read about the God of peace. It is possible this morning that somebody could be here and not have that peace in their heart that heaven would be their home. Maybe you've struggled with that. Maybe you're worried about it. You would know you don't want to go to hell but you're not quite sure that you have the peace that heaven would be your home. Well, I can tell you, if you don't have the God of peace, you will not have that peace in your heart. But likewise, even for believers, it is possible to have the God of peace, but not have the peace of God. How's that possible? Well, when we're worried about everything, trying to attempt everything in our own flesh, when we're not laying our cares at the feet of Jesus... We don't have his peace. 
It's possible to have the God of peace, but not have the peace of God. My goal this morning was to encourage you in your faith and be a help and a blessing with these verses. We all walked, the majority of us probably walked through those front doors. And I don't know what you carried in this morning, what cares you brought in with you, what cares are on your heart and mind as we've studied these scriptures. But I can tell you, if you leave your cares at the feet of Jesus, he will give you his peace, a peace that passes all understanding, and he will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Turn your cares into prayers. Let's pray. Before we begin to pray, I would like to ask just a couple questions. I'm not going to be long in this. But maybe you are here and you would say, I don't have that peace in my heart that heaven would be my home. There's no comfort in my life and the assurance of any faith that when I take my last breath, I'm on my way to heaven. I would like to pray for you, but more importantly, I would like to help you with that. I would like to introduce you to the God of peace that can give you that peace and comfort that heaven can be your home. And so just by a show of hands, nobody else looking around, if you're here this morning and you would say, I don't have that peace or comfort in my heart, that assurance that heaven is my home, would you just simply raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out, but we would like to have you meet with somebody who can show you from God's word how you can have that peace and that heaven could be your home. If you are not 100% sure that heaven is your home, just simply raise your hand. Very good. On to the next crowd. You're here this morning. You know the God of peace personally, but there are some things in your life, there are some things in your heart and in your mind that you don't have peace about. You're full of care. You're worrying about them. Day after day, they never go away. God's given us the answer. He's given us his promise in his word. And you would raise your hand and say, I have some cares in my life. I have some worries on my heart. If that's you, just raise your hand. I would like to pray for you. Hands all the way around. In just a moment, when I finish praying, I challenge you, I encourage you, whether here at the altar or in your seat, bow before God. Kneel in your heart and talk to God about those cares. He's promised to give you his peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a peace that only you can give, that passes all understanding. We thank you that we can claim this promise for our very own. Help us by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let you know about all our requests. Lord, we understand that you already know about them. But Lord, you desire to hear them from our heart. Help us to lay our worries, our cares at your feet and trust you for your peace that only you can give. Help us to turn our cares into prayers. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand.